Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone. Your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. How's it, everybody? Welcome to a very special episode of the Command Zone podcast, something that we're definitely not going to call the roundtable since we already used that name. We don't know what we're calling these yet, but a discussion episode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're the talky ones. The talky ones. Yeah. (laughs) The ones that have more than two people. (laughs) The three headed giants. Yes. Yes. Cry three. The fireworks side chat. If you have a good name for these type of episodes, this is our second one because we did one about Infect with Craig Mm -hmm. um, a couple of weeks ago. Let us know in the comments. But today we are freshly back from our trip to Philadelphia. Magic Con was there. Yeah, it was so fun. Yeah, we had a good, good time. But, you know, the Magic Cons and just Magic events in general have been a topic of much discussion in the community every time they happen because they can be a little bit hit or miss and they try new things every time. And Mm -hmm. so, you know. We're going to be talking about our experiences, sort of the evolution of magic events, where we think they're going, the trajectory, things like that. Yeah, definitely. We want to get into, obviously, what happened in Philly and what we saw there, but what that means for the future of magic events for commander players and every kind of player. Uh, and we also have a special guest. We didn't introduce him, but it's, oh, yeah. Jamie, it's Jamie Block, everybody. <laughs> hey, it's me from some of the ones before. <laughs> yes. You've seen him before. Jamie, yeah. Jamie, our staff writer here at the Command Zone. You you know him by now. You, He's been on know, extra turns. He's been on. Jamie. Yeah. I'm around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we think this episode might help us kind of just discuss out what we thought about the event, but also help everybody out there kind of decide, you know, if they want to try out try to go to a magic event in the future and and maybe what to expect and things like that. But before we get into it, we got to talk about our sponsors, cardkingdom.com slash command. That is the place to go to get your magic products, singles, anything at all. Phyrexia, all will be one, is fresh off the press. Mm -hmm. Yep. If you want any of the cool singles, you want that new Elishnorn, one of the new white Dominus or, you know, the red Dominus is pretty good. A lot of the Dominuses are good. Okay. If you want any of those cards, you can find them right now at (laughs) cardkingdom.com slash command. The thing we love the most about Card Kingdom is it is one retailer and you get one package that has all of the cards that you ordered. And it's also thematic to all will be one because I said one a lot. (laughs) It's way better than ordering from a bunch of different places and having all the pieces come individually because you're always waiting on those last couple of packages. What do they say about a chain? It's only as strong as its smallest link. link? Yeah. Yeah. Well, if there's only one link in the chain, then it's pretty strong. It's pretty good. It's pretty Mm -hmm. good. All your packages will become one. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's great. Uh, (laughs) Cardkingdom.com slash command, once again. Yeah. How many album will be one plugs do we have to do with Card Kingdom to get to that joke? A lot. (laughs) All right. Uh, Once you have those magic cards in your hands you are going to want to protect them go to ultrapro.com slash command to pick up all of the magic accessories that you need in your life they've got deck boxes and sleeves and play mats and wall scrolls and dice and everything that you need to complete your battlefield complete complete it <laughs> uh, they have all the official licensed magic arts you can get your favorite cards on play mats on sleeves on all of these accessories and make sure that your magic cards are safe safe and protected uh, when you travel, hopefully, to a MagicCon. Yeah. Ultra Pro doing even like apparel and stuff now. That's yeah. that, that Elishnorn. No, not Elishnorn. Yeah, Elishnorn. That Atraxa? Elishnorn. Atraxa. 
God, I knew it was yes. not Ella Storm. Yeah. <laughs> that attracts a hoodie that I oh, saw everybody so wearing. Sweet. Yeah, it's yeah. very, very cool. Yeah, ultrabro.com slash command to pick up all of that stuff. Very I can't cool. guarantee the hoodie will be there. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes they have stuff on the website, sometimes it's sold out. Yes, the point is they make cool stuff. Yeah, yeah check okay. them out. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, the final way to support all of our content is directly at patreon.com slash command zone. You can get all kinds of cool perks like watching extra turns and game nights earlier than the general public. Mm-hmm. And also, we shout out one lucky patron every single episode, and this episode is dedicated to Wilson Saturn. Wilson. You rock. You rock. You definitely rock. Cool name. Your name is really, really cool. Yeah. It is a superhero it. Yeah. name for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It, it feels like a superhero secret identity. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you know, yeah. where it's like too cool to be a real name? <laughs> but they're, they're like, oh, yeah, my secret yeah. name is Wilson Saturn. Yeah. You're like, I don't believe you. <laughs> Which one of these people is Superman? Is it John Smith or Clark Kent? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you have two first names, you're definitely a superhero. Okay, oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's get into our main topic here. Are magic events even worth it? Yeah, so we just got back from Philly, and besides being absolutely exhausting, it was a huge event and was so fun. It, in more than fun, it felt like it was explicitly designed to serve every kind of magic player, which I thought was really exciting. Like it, it had a pro tour, it had a pro tour qualifier, it had side events and a command zone and artists and cosplay and live events. And it was just, it felt like there was a never ending parade of things to do. Like no matter how you were interacting with magic, there was something for you to do on the floor. Uh, and in particular, it felt like that it was the first event that really got the casual magic play experience at a live event right for me. You know, like I, I think magic con is sort of the final form of this evolution of, of command fests. Do you know what I mean? Like there were so many attempts to get commander involved in live events better and magic on Philly feels like it really got there. Yeah. I think, you know, they've done a lot of different kinds of live events, uh, between command fest, magic 30, uh, magic 30 felt like it was trying to take everything they had ever done before and Mm. put it together. And they just, and we'll talk about this a bit, just didn't quite get the balance of the ingredients, right. Mm. Uh, but now it seems like they've sort of learned from that. And it's like, yeah, it's really bringing everything together that people want and actually having there be enough of all of those things that people want. Right. Whereas like a lot of command fests that I've attended to have been really fun, but they're mostly just open tables and artists. So it's just all free play area, which is fun. But like if you don't want to play commander, there's really not a whole lot else for you to do. Yeah, they really, you know, like you, I like how you said that they got the ingre- the mix of the ingredients mm-hmm. closer to right. I don't, I don't think. Hopefully, Philly's not quite our final form. Mm-hmm. I do think it's probably for me the best magic event that I've ever been to, and I've been to a lot of them ever yeah. since the old GP days, you know, which were totally different back in the day. And there's been this long evolution to sort of where we are as the game has evolved in an interesting direction. You know, Commander being the most popular format, which I don't think anybody thought that was going to be a, the case seven years ago. But I still think there are some things they could improve and mm. should still work on. But what I like is they clearly had listened to the con- the criticism from Magic 30 and earlier and made some adjustments. So mm. their willingness to do that is a really good sign. But, you know, not everything was perfect. And like I said, we'll get to some of the negatives later. But there were a lot of positives. And, and, For sure. And yeah, yeah, definitely this lean towards, you know, understanding casual players and what they're after and you know the experience that they're looking for and providing more mm-hmm. of that it did felt like this was the most provided for that the casual player has ever you for know sure. been 
Yeah. I think they hit a lot of big notes that we haven't seen in previous events, uh, at least in smaller events where they had these huge high production event, like live events where like they had game nights live, mm-hmm. which was so much fun. Um, it was fun. It was, we will have the VOD out soon. Um, but at the time you're watching, this is probably not released yet. Yeah. But keep an eye out because the show was amazing. Um, and, and then on top of that, it had, a lot of featured cosplayers and these huge layers and a lot of places to take pictures. And it felt very much like, you know, a spectacle or like a more of a fair than, than just like a bunch of tables in a row. Yeah. It felt like, and you know, I I can't imagine that anyone went to Magicon with this in mind, but you could have had a fun time there, even if you went not intending to play magic at all. Mm. Just if you are like a fan of the world and the story and the art mm. and all of that, there was enough for you to do there to at least fill one day, just being a magic fan without even having to sit down and play the game. Just so many things to do and for sure. people to see. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, it definitely had a lot of aspects of like a Comic-Con or something mm. that didn't used to be there, right? It used In the old GP days, it was really just about like, a couple of big events and then like side drafts and things like that. And yeah, you could buy some cards, but there wasn't a lot of spectacle. And now we're to the side where, yeah, there's a a lot to do. And I do believe if you only had one day and you didn't want to play magic that day, you could have a really good time at this event, just going around to the vendors and doing the other stuff that was available to you, like the listening to the panels and looking at all the different vendors and taking pictures with the cosplayers and meeting some of your favorite YouTubers and buying some really cool, you know, exclusive merch and things like that. So yeah, yeah, they've definitely added a lot of cool things. Mm -hmm. So magic 30 really kicked off this, this spectacle event. Magic 30 was their rough draft basically of, of this was, kind of it was rough yeah, yeah. <laughs> of this kind of event. and it, yeah it uh there there was some red ink i think on the magic 30 as an event uh specifically there was nowhere to play magic <laughs> there was no like there was very limited free play area uh, was oh I I should clarify I couldn't attend Magic Thirty uh, so this is all what I heard from yeah. from Twitter but you guys have a more direct perspective of that yeah I mean there there was not a good free play area the command zone itself had just sort of fluctuations between being literally empty to being over full and was that because all the commander players were watching Game Nights Live when it was happening maybe we can choose <laughs> to believe that was the case. Uh, but And then, you know, because sort of the main way to play Magic was to sign up for a tournament in advance, basically when you mm-hmm. got the tickets, uh, even that would be more acceptable if the system to do so worked at the time. Because mm-hmm. I know I had the experience of trying to uh, sign up for a tournament at a specific time slot on a day that, you know, Game Nights Live would be over and I wouldn't be working. Uh, and when I put it into my shopping cart, it defaulted to one that did conflict with Game Nights Live, even though that wasn't the date and time I had picked. Right. So there was just so many things that made it difficult to play Magic if you were trying to go play Magic at yeah. Magic 30. Yeah, that I think that was one of the, just the biggest issue with Magic 30 was it was literally difficult to play Magic at because the command zone had sold out and then there was the whole snap foo with like it just sitting there mostly empty but nowhere else to play and then of course yeah like you said most a lot of the the events were you had to sign up in advance so by the time anybody actually walks into the convention hall if you hadn't signed up in advance you couldn't on the day sign up for on-demand things so that if you just showed up on that friday I'm here, Magic 30, what can I do? They were like, not much, actually. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. I mean, you can look at some of the vendors Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. There was fewer... I don't know if this is actually true. It felt like there were fewer vendors. The way they had set up all the layers, they did a better job this time. They put them around like a gameplay area, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think just in every way, they kind of... 
And it's, it's amazing it took them so long to figure this out, right? Like, what do what is the baseline thing we need at a Magic event? Oh, it's tables and chairs so people can play Magic, right? The, just make the playing of the game an easy situation. Right, yeah. And it will automatically be better. But it feels like that's been a real struggle ever since the GP days when there used to be only organized tournaments playing. And if you want to go play Commander, they didn't have a spot for you. We would famously play on the floor in the hallways or at the food courts across from the convention hall mm. because the the venue just didn't have tables for us to be able to play casual magic at. And for it, it literally has taken them about five years to finally get to the point where they are now, where Philadelphia is the first event, I think, ever where there were empty tables and chairs. Yeah. It was, there was too many. There was more than we needed, mm. which is a great position to be in there was if you had three people with you or could find them or ask them or were walking past them or whatever and you're like yo you want to play commander you did not have to like stand around look around you did not have to be like i'm at an olive garden on friday night and i cannot (laughs) find like it's a 45 minute wait to figure out where i'm gonna sit no it was like yep cool we have the players and there's a table right there and it's open and there are 15 other tables within view that are open yeah and i think a lot of that came from the feedback like a lot of that that free space at Philly came from the feedback from Magic Thirty, and it was a very cool thing. I want to I want to mention that Blake Rasmussen wrote on the Magic GG website after Magic Thirty that they've heard the feedback and that they are working on improvements for Philadelphia. Uh, he said we've taken. We've also taken lessons and your feedback from Magic 30 to improve the attendee experience. While Magic 30 was an unforgettable experience, it was also our first event of this kind and our first live event since the pandemic shut down the gathering nearly three years ago. We learned quite a bit from the event and are making improvements that we think will make Philadelphia even better. And I think that promise held true. I mean... This like this is a comment from Blake right after Magic Thirty. I believe it was in November that this came out, and and you know we experienced it. A lot of those those complaints: the no free play area, no on demand events, the uh, command zone pass accessibility. Like a lot of those were largely fixed in Philly, or at least vastly improved. Like or vastly I said, improved, I think there's yeah. still some criticism where we we mm-hmm. can sort of level at the event, and it, I think you know. It's going to be difficult to ever have like the perfect thing where we'd never have any complaints or say like, well, you could tweak this and make it a little of bit course. better. But they did take a really huge step in the right direction. And I guess the next section is called what did Magic on Philadelphia get right? And we've been bearing the lead a little by by naming a bunch of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but they really did get a lot of things right. They really did improve you know, almost every aspect that people had complained about. So right. they deserve a lot of credit for that. What was your favorite thing? Jamie about the event honestly just sort of the it's weird for it to be logistics but the composition of hall a and hall b the where the main stage was in relation to the vendors their merch line the command zone being just around this corner sort of in the same room sort of not uh it felt a lot more one-stop shop Uh, for everything that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Just like I could look around and feel good. I could play a game of Commander and then immediately go like sort of chat up the people working at our booth at the place and Mm -hmm. ask how they were doing and how things were going. Go buy a card. Go watch something on the main stage. Go play another game of Commander. Uh, It just felt uh, a lot better laid out and there was just more of everything. Mm -hmm. Like I walking through the vendor area at uh, Magic 30 it was crowded to the point of like 
unpleasant. I don't want to be in this area anymore. Just the way things were spaced out, just like any part of the room that you were in, well, it was pleasant to be in sort of doing what you were doing. Like nothing was an impediment to having a good time. Mm -hmm. uh, for those who, who couldn't attend, they, they had split up the large portion of the play area, all the tournament play area, all of the PTQs, a lot of the on-demand events were on one floor that was just tables. And it was, it was en enormous <laughs> it, sea of the, tables. The table area, yeah. I don't know if this is true, but it felt that just that area with the yeah. tables felt roughly the size of Where? Magic Con Vegas mm -hmm. or Magic 30 in Vegas. Like take everything in Magic 30 in Vegas, just take everything out and put tables and chairs that's about what that, and that was the first floor. And then the second floor above that was where the vendor area was mm -hmm. and the command zone area was in the main, main stage. stage area. Yeah. And all the cosplayers and it, yeah, there was. Plus, we're not even talking about, there was this hallway. Artists. Yeah. All the artists. Yeah. 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 There was this hallway outside of that area with the vendors that walked you. It was a long hallway. I'm yeah. talking like, you know, <laughs> probably a quarter of a mile hallway. <laughs> At least two full city blocks. Yeah. yeah. It it's cute. a long hallway. And that actually led to, um, if you went at the end of that hallway, you go up this escalator and that's where the pro tour area was. Mm -hmm. But on the hallway, there were all these rooms to the right and left that also had a bunch of tables and chairs in them. And two, like those were mostly empty most of the weekend, but were available to be played and i think yeah. you could technically get into those without even there was th there was no badge oh no there was a badge check to get in there to yeah. that point because of the yeah yeah where the security was yeah yeah i was, I was gonna was, say there was free play areas on one side of that hallway there was yeah. a, t a number of free play areas outside of both of the halls and then there was a quiet room in that hallway there was a badge check-in there was a lot of the logistical yeah, stuff, stuff was admin stuff was in that hallway on the way to where the pro tour was and if you went up to the pro tour area there was more tables and chairs yeah you the, could one of the great sort of <laughs> secrets i'm gonna say is right outside the pro tour area were all these tables that no one was using the whole yeah. weekend they were empty the whole time but yeah. most of the side hallway ones i would look in and there'd be full, like yeah all, yeah it, they were full of tables and chairs but there were like there wasn't enough people to fill that whole space mm. yeah which is a problem we've just it's not a problem it's just a luxury we've never had at one of these events before mm. yeah just to sort of paint the picture like we we keep talking about how it's like there's all these free play tables and they're empty and available it was not like an empty feeling no and no it yeah, felt yeah. like a very full very bustling thing it, it really just is to their credit they just had so much free play space that uh, everywhere you would look you would simultaneously see oh there's a lot of games going on and there's a million free spots if someone wants to start another mm -hmm. one yeah uh, a big improvement that we haven't mentioned from from magic 30 is that they added a the command zone as an add-on where in magic 30 it was stapled to a certain tier of badge where the like the cheapest yeah, it was like could, ruby or whatever yeah it was like it was and like once that minimum, sold out it, that's it that was those were command zone passes so uh they added an, an add-on that gave you access to the command zone no matter what tier of badge you were at yeah, that's still sold out though, right? That's still sold out, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. A lot of the one-day ones were still open, but the Commander Weekend Passes sold out almost like very early. <laughs> yeah, like Saturday was like, yeah. yeah. And the Command Zone, I think, is a thing we're going to discuss a little later on when we get to criticisms and whatnot, uh, because I think there's still some work they can do there to yeah. improve it. But in general, we didn't see the scenes we saw in Vegas, which were huge command zone play area. Nobody can find a place to sit, but the command zone is sitting there with just empty tables all over the place. Yeah. Because there was empty tables everywhere, even in the free play area, yeah. it didn't have that same feeling of like, you know, you're not looking across, you know, 
the river or whatever at the, mm-hmm. you know, at the, uh, <laughs> the other side and being like, well, those people have it all and I have nothing over yeah. here. Yeah. Especially at these events, like when I go to the artist booths, I'm holding like five wet cards and a binder <laughs> and coffee and have a backpack on. You should just have tables. Yeah. I don't need to just things down. put stuff down on for a second. <laughs> yeah. Like even if I'm not playing magic, sometimes you just want to sit and like go through the stuff you have. And yeah. reorganize your bag. And it felt really easy to do that. Yes, it was tables yeah, everywhere. Perfect. Yeah. It was perfect. All right. Well, not everything about the event was perfect, mm-hmm. though. There were definitely some things I think that they can still work on and improve, and hopefully they will. Mm-hmm. And uh, we will enumerate a bunch of those in just a second, but we're going to take a quick break first and hear a message from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. All right. Thanks for sticking with us. We're talking about MagicCon Philly and the future of Magic Live events, especially as Commander players. Uh, And we've talked about a lot of the things that Philly got right, especially in comparison to Magic 30 and previous uh, Magic events. But there were some things that still needed a little bit of work at at Philly. And uh, I think it's time to get into it. So what did MagicCon Philly get wrong? What can be improved upon? Yeah, the first thing I I want to... bring up is what we sort of talked about right before the break, which is the command zone area. And just the whole idea of the command zone area feels like it needs to be rethought now. I think they did a really good job with the free play tables Mm -hmm. and having plenty of room for people to play. And like we've talked about, I think that is a base level for if you're going to throw a magic event, especially if it's casual, just provide space for people to play. That should be what it is when Mm -hmm. what like if I ask myself, I'm paying for a badge to get into this convention. What am I primarily getting out of that money spent? I think if you're going to a Magic convention, what I primarily want is space to play the game, Mm. right? I want the vendors, Magic, you know, main stage stuff. I want cosplayers. I want atmosphere and all the rest. But those are not the primary reasons I'm there. I'm primarily there because I enjoy the game and I would probably like to play it. So just the very baseline level of we will provide tables and chairs for you to play with. But then there's this weird... Yeah. Tug and pull between (laughs) like, okay, we're going to give you as many free tables as you want because that's what you want. But then there's also going to be this other area (laughs) that you could pay to get into, won't be accessible unless you pay more than that badge amount. And this really feels just like a holdover, right, from the GP days. Right. From the command. Because what they, I talked about this already, but the old GPs, it used to be like a big tournament. A thousand people would enter a standard tournament, right? And that is what the event 
is. Now, they would also have some side drafts and on-demand events and vendors. So you mm-hmm. could... Sh- but these did not charge you to go- get into. This was not a thing where you buy a badge and go. You can show up at the Los Angeles Convention Center to LA, you know, Grand Prix 2015, and you can walk in and nobody stops you. There's no credentials necessary, right? Mm-hmm. You go to the vendors, shop around, you know, you might have trouble finding a commander table. In fact, you definitely will, and you're going to end up playing at the food court across the way, but you don't pay any money, so they're not promising you anything when you show up that way in some respects. And then they started to be the switch towards casual magic and commander and they started to hear all the rumblings and that's when they sort of came up with the command zone area at the GPs and they said, okay, fine, we'll provide you a space to play, but you have to pay for that space Mm -hmm. because we have to provide it and it costs us money, which makes sense to people, yeah. right? So like, okay, so then we had the command zone area and that was cool and we bought a badge, but you could still just walk to the GP. It's just if I wanted to get into that area, i pay for a badge to get mm-hmm. into that area. And then they started doing command fests and magic cons now, and they still have this area that you have to pay to get into, except the ch- the big change of both of those events is like, but they also charged you just to come in the first place. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, wait, why am I being charged to go and and enter the venue and then charged again to enter this area aren't you just already charging me for that and you are because you're providing free play tables so it just feels like the command zone almost doesn't have a great reason to exist anymore yeah it's there there are certain ad value ads in the command zone they'll they'll pair you up with with pods if you show up and you're like i'm looking for a casual game they will set you up if you play in their like explicitly on demand events you can get uh like prize tickets and that sort of thing so if you're participating in commander focused events you can do that um it's where you know other commander players are going to be but it's so strange when you're like okay so this is a free table and right over this rope that's harder to get to and will cost me sixty dollars this isn't a sixty (laughs) dollar table yeah (laughs) you're like but what can i do over there oh you can play commander you can play commander what can i do here oh you can play Commander. commander yeah yeah yeah, no, I, <laughs> every game of Commander I played, I played in the command zone. Yeah. So I, I did make use of it mm-hmm. and uh, I can confirm, not a huge value add <laughs> for and having uh, been in it. It was definitely uh, one of the things about it was uh, for whatever reason, whether there was sort of a pressure to or not, a lot of the sort of celebrities of the magic space yes. could be found in the command zone. Yeah. But honestly, they probably would have gravitated to wherever Commander was being played. If you just take the ropes away, the event goes off basically exactly the same. And mm-hmm. it, it's, it just does not feel like the amount of money that was charged, like the amount of money that they made from everyone who paid for entry to the command zone, the stuff that they gave you for that, sort of whatever had to be paid to the judges who were there and the matchmaking yeah. system to set you up, you're, you're not paying... You're it's, paying too much for that. Uh, we haven't actually mentioned it. It's $35 per day to enter the command zone, but it was 75 for for the whole weekend. And like we said, those passes sold out uh, very, very quickly. Uh, and then from that point, the only way to get access to the command zone was with the commander VIP pass, which ha- which was not a particularly much of a value add from the, bad, the regular weekend badge. So it... 
There definitely was a lot of question marks, I think. It felt like the command zone was more of a gathering point. And if it had, like you said, if there were if there were no walls, it would have functioned almost exactly the same, with the exception of maybe it wouldn't have judges. And you know what? We're playing casual commander. There's never judges. Yeah, you we, don't need we the judges. We rarely play like, with judges. How does this work? Do you just think, how do you think it works? Fine, that's fine. Great, go with that. perfect. We don't care because there's nothing on the line. Yeah. I yeah. know there was some... Uh, People, there were some things going on where you could get some free stuff that was being given away in there uh, at certain yeah. points as well. But I don't think that was coming from Watsi. I think that was coming from creators. Yeah, uh, there were a lot of just like sort of independent people who make a thing mm-hmm. who are who want to promote a thing who were going around. Uh, I saw someone sort of put a pin in the center yeah. of a table and just say, literally, let me add some stakes to your game. Yeah. But that wasn't someone who was officially affiliated with the event. That was just a thing they were doing in the command zone because it is the easiest place to find commander players if mm. that is who you were trying to promote your stuff to. Right. Yeah, I think, you know, on some level, what Watsi's trying to do and what businesses try to do is understandable and fine, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we are trying to provide... slightly different tiers of experience so that we can generate more revenue. And like, if you want the base tier and you don't care about this other stuff or you can't afford it or whatever, you can still enjoy this. And for those that want this little slightly higher tier, you can pay for this and you can get this. And then the the very high tier, which we'll talk about in a minute, you can pay more. And and I think, you know, in general, that is how society functions and capitalism and the rest of it. And Mm. is, you know, mostly okay. Uh, so I get like, oh, we'll put, you know, we'll give, well, we'll eventually give content creators access to the command zone. <laughs> uh-huh. Win pressed. Which, the, <laughs> okay, let's do an aside here. Because yeah. as an aside, the content creators, this is like the first event where they allowed them to sign up for content creator badges. They yes. gave content creator badges to content creators. I don't know how they determined who was what, but whatever, they gave out a bunch of them. And then like a week before the event, the content creators found out that they wouldn't have access to the command zone. Many of the content creators were commander content creators. Yeah, so that was a huge hullabaloo and also makes zero sense when you think of what I just described as like tiers of experience level. If you're wizards giving content creators access to, you know, this higher tier makes it so that that is value added to the people that pay for that tier, Mm. assuming they want to go inside and meet some of the content creators that are in there. I didn't have a content creator badge because we were part of the event doing um, a show and things like Mm. that. And so none of us had that content creator badge. But they eventually figured it out, allowed those people into the command zone. Um, Anyway, I guess I had to tell that story for any of this to make sense. But, you know, so in that respect, it makes a little bit of sense if you're like, hey, we're going to put the content creators in there and that'll be some of the value added experience that mm-hmm. you get by going into the command zone. I think, you know, fine, whatever. It's business. You're trying to make a little bit more money in the way that you do it is try and sell people other things. And right. they're like, okay, well, one of the things we can tell you is, you know, whatever. But yeah, it did seem like they're trying to figure out, well, what can we give them that will make this extra money worth it? Because mm-hmm. we want to have this tiered layered thing where like, here's free play. There's plenty of it for everybody because there's a lot of complaining when they're when we don't have that. Yeah. Rightfully so. Yeah. But then like, okay, but how can we have another area that's, you know, special? Mm-hmm. And what do we offer there so that it feels like it's worth it to pay more money in there? And then they had a, a third one, which is supposed to be even more special, which was the Black Lotus VIP area. Which This was a seven hundred dollar package, by the way. This this VIP yeah. thing. Which I think is another one of the the sort of criticisms you could level at yeah. the event. Now, again, none of us had VIP badges. We had badges to to go because we were part of the show. Didn't have badges at Magic Thirty, but famously 
at Magic 30 in Vegas, the VIP badge holders, they got as sort of a surprise in the sort of swag bag that you get for attending the event, the Magic 30th edition product. Right. Four packs, $1,000. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they just got all their money back like yeah. at the start. A lot of them genuinely just immediately sold the packs to vendors and had more than paid for. Uh, certainly the Black Lotus Pass, some probably got back, you know, hotel and travel in addition. Yeah. No, people were pissed about that at the time. I mean, yeah. a lot of people who didn't get Black advertised. Lotus were not happy. Yeah. Uh, Black Lotus people were, of course, not mad about it. But, yeah. you know, a lot of people were like, of course, the people who are wealthy enough to be able to afford this extravagance then get rewarded and so there's a little bit of vitriol about that which is like i don't know i don't really know how to balance that or square that but then you fast forward to philadelphia and it feels like they tried to balance the scales by not giving the black lotus vip people that much at this event right yeah there's like looking at the black lotus vip package it it's 700 dollars, and the things that they get that's unique is a black lotus vip event they get complimentary access to the magic on philadelphia party which was an add-on that you could buy for 50 dollars. so it doesn't you got access to a vip lounge which photos and reviews of it have said it's fair it was coffee and chips in a room likely similar to the quiet room or yep. the the players that we saw yeah, and it then was it allegedly was allegedly a very quiet room yeah no one was using it they got the Secret Lair Look at the Kitties thing, which was also available for sale for $40. Yep, $39.99 yep. or whatever. Yep. Yeah, and then they just got more of what everybody else got. They got are the four of the Arcane Signet promos. They got three Mystery Boosters, three uh, Phyrexial will be one Collector Boosters, three Draft Boosters, the Playmat deck box and sleeves that everybody else got. It was... I, I did hear reports that they threw in some extra Collector Boosters packs. Yeah, sure. In there. Okay. I don't know how true that was, but that's right. Yeah. It it just doesn't add up to $700 in my mind. Oh, and then they had this Black Lotus play area that was reserved for Black Lotus badges only that was stark empty the entire event. Well, because when you make it that ultra exclusive, it actually becomes There's worthless. Because if yeah. you're like, hey, what's this game? Well, we get together with other human beings and we play yeah. it. Okay. What if we made an area where very few human beings can enter it? Right. Well, it's not going to be that useful because I can't go in there and play because nobody's in there. Why aren't they in there? Because not very many people can get in there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I should probably be in the area where there's a lot of people, huh? Yeah. I don't know the exact mentality of someone who is spending $700 to get the Black Lotus VIP package, but I choose to think that it's not, I only want to play Magic with other people who have spent $700 (laughs) to be here. Yeah. I got to think that they want to play as much Magic as possible with as many people as they can find as possible to maximize what they spent. And you'd think that this value, this Black Lotus VIP event, which it seems to be the most exclusive and like sort of shiny thing on this list of perks would be this huge exclusive cool thing where you play with creators or you do something and it was just dominaria remastered sealed like that was it it was just a, it was just a regular sealed event with a regular product that you could actually buy anywhere and that's compared to so many other creative events that they did throughout the weekend like gavin's unknown event was super cool and very special and a lot of creators were a part of it and that was sort of nowhere to be found on the creativity that showed up in these exclusive badges. Yeah, there's just no way. You know, it, it's tough to calculate total value, you know, you're you're getting in. But just looking at the difference between the $700 Black Lotus VIP and the $350 Commander VIP package immediately below it, 
the difference in what you get between specifically those two does not even come close to three hundred and fifty dollars. It's not double. No, right? no, it's Certainly not. not. You it, tell by at a glance that it's not double. It's double the number of arcane signets, though. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Which again, like I've seen those going for have, twenty bucks. Yeah. <laughs> once you have two, do you really want need need two more? Well, let me ask you. How special about, do they feel when you have four of them? <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. Go here's on. the thing, though. Uh, the Magic Thirtieth edition product right the much hated much maligned Mm -hmm. product is sort of the big elephant in the room in this whole conversation because Mm -hmm. imagine they included that in the swag yeah for the vip they immediately have no complaints yeah right that one thing yeah flips the whole thing on its head Mm -hmm. which is interesting because they did do that in vegas Mm -hmm. so some of this is also just sort of disappointment because when you did that in Vegas, did you sort of unofficially promise you're going to do that again? A little bit. Right? A little bit. You set the expectation. I think it would have been fair and better if they had at least come out and said, yeah. hey, listen, there will not be Magic 30 of this edition product right. with your Black Lotus VIP. We're not going to surprise you with that. And I think that added into a lot of the criticism that that people had of Philly where they felt like a lot of, they didn't know where their money was going, where there was a real lack of communication in terms of what this got you and what this pass meant and what, like what was going on in the VIP lounge and what, like they listed all of these things, but the, the reality of what they actually were or like what the, the VIP event was, was difficult to find or unclear. And then you get into this thing where you spend $700 and expect a VIP experience and you're like, I guess. Yeah. You expect I, at least fast passes to get through some they, of these lines. Right? Yeah. Geez. yeah. <laughs> they, they, I just think they really hurt themselves when they gave that 30th edition yeah, product away at Vegas because they just set a precedent or an expectation that is difficult then to live up to unless you plan. Like when they did that at Vegas and then they announced the rest of the Magic Cons, in my head, I thought, oh, they must be planning to give these away at all of them, right? They mm-hmm. must have thought about this. And the fact that they were like just blind to the fact that like, it's human nature. They're going to expect that they're going to get what Vegas got. It's called the same thing. Like they're both called Black Lotus Badges. <laughs> you so, expect that. Yeah. The only way to be sort of upfront and honest about it is to be transparent mm-hmm. from the beginning when the things are being sold of like, hey, this is what it is. Here's what you get. You will not get this. Mm-hmm. We realize you will expect it. Just acknowledge that. So I thought that part of it was kind of, you know, it was amazing that they're sort of blindsided by this every time yeah. and just don't understand. Like, that's just how people think. Like, that's just the reality of it. But yeah. Uh, let me ask you both a question, I guess. Mm. If you're, because we don't know what's going to happen at Minneapolis. No. We don't know what's going to happen at Barcelona. We don't know what's going to happen in Vegas uh, this year. Mm-hmm. And we're working off of Philadelphia was great. Mm-hmm. You know, if the worst things we're saying about it are the very, very high-end whales who are there, there are not a large amount of them have mm-hmm. the biggest complaints. Right. But the, they improved everything for like the vast majority. If you got 10,000 people or whatever the number was coming to this and like, okay, these 200 have a gripe, but we made it better for the other 9,800. They had a 50% better experience or whatever it was. Like, I think that's a huge win. Yeah. But this is one event, right? Like we're moving in the right direction, we hope, we, but we don't know what's going to happen in Minneapolis. Going into Minneapolis, do would you would access to the command zone be important to you? Is that something you would add on to your badge? Rachel, why don't you take it first? So 
I think I would want access to the command zone. I think I would want it for one day. Like if I was if I was not working, if we weren't doing an event and I was just going as an attendee, I think I would spend two days going to vendors, getting artists signed. I would get like standing in lines and buying stuff and and like playing with friends. And then maybe on Sunday or maybe on Saturday, I'll be like, that's my day for Commander. I can buy a one day pass and I'll play Commander to my heart's content. But the amount that I actually played at this event, like that I actually played Commander was extremely limited. Like I played I played five games of Commander the whole weekend. Three of them were in the command zone and two of them were, were in our hotel. You know, like it's just, we just didn't, I didn't play as much magic because there was so much to do. And I like, like, I would rather, I would probably go do on-demand events on one of the days and just reserve commander for one day. I don't think the weekend pass would be very important to me. How about you, Jamie? Yeah. One day, if any, I Mm -hmm. think, like, I think that's reasonable. And I think part of it would be sort of communicating with anyone I knew who was going and saying, are you going to be playing in the command zone? Mm -hmm. Uh, And if, you know, people I know are going to be playing there, then yeah, I want to be able to get in because they've done it for a reason and I would like to play with them. But honestly, uh, if I just got a lot of people who I knew were going there together and we just kind of had a text thread where it's like, hey, we could just not pay for this and then play Commander with each other in the free play area, right? And everyone just said, yeah, then I wouldn't do it. Yeah. Like I, I, you know, being in the position we're in, uh, seeing these content creators who are hanging out in the command zone, not a huge draw for me specifically in this hypothetical, maybe I am someone else, but right. mm-hmm. just the the perks that were available there we're not enough when it is free to gather some people you know and play commander in a free play area. Yeah. I like that take, uh, though, as far as, like, I think there's probably enough value in the command zone for one day. Because if you... One of the big things you maybe get is that ability to sort of, like, meet the content creators and play some games with them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know from experience, and I'm sure you you both do as well, that, like, people want to get in games with you. They mostly want to, like, kill you and tell their friends they killed you. Yeah. That's a service that I'm happy to provide, by the way. (laughs) Uh... So I could see that being a draw on something that people want to do. And, and you can get that done in one day. And like you said, you just aren't probably going to play 10 games of Commander a day to make it worth it. You're going to at least one of the days want to look at all the vendors. And, you know, if you want to do a draft or a, you know, or Gavin's unknown event, which I heard was awesome or mm-hmm. things like that, you're not going to need your command zone access. And if you pay for it every day, you almost feel like you have to sit in there the whole time, which would be a little bit of a travesty because there's so much going on. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like you said, there's LobbyCon and there's all kinds of other um, outlets to play that just are not in that command zone and other opportunities to interact with your, the content creators and stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think from a value perspective, the command zone just doesn't make a ton of sense, and, but one day is probably worth it. I know we're not all like super high roller people um, that would you know, under different circumstances in the alternate universe where we are not content creators Mm -hmm. necessarily buy a Black Lotus VIP pass. But I'm assuming like based on what happened here, like I wouldn't, you know, I I wouldn't be able to find the value there to purchase one myself. Yeah, I think they're going to have to rebuild trust on that pass. That's That's a lot of money for them, for you to get like a couple extra collector boosters, you know, like especially of a set that, we've had for a couple of weeks it wasn't like an exclusive anything it didn't feel like you got unprecedented access it it just i really don't think that there is is uh, the value there yet and they're gonna have to show that they can provide it yeah i think that they put a lot of their resources most of their resources as far as magic on philly is concerned into boosting the experience 
for everyone who just got the regular weekend pass. Like they listened to all the feedback from Magic 30. They gave the free play space. The vendor area and the artist area were better. All the things that were sort of free once you got through the door were better. And because all the attention was there, it seems like very little attention was given to making tiered experiences and tiered badge levels make any sense. Mm -hmm. It was sort of like the a rising tide did not lift all boats. It lifted one boat and the, the biggest other two boat. boat. Yeah, the, the biggest boat, boat. It lifted the most important boat. And then there were these two luxury yachts sort of sitting off to the side saying, <laughs> hey, what about us? I mean, when you put it that way, like, do I care that much? You know, I mean, you know, I, I think people should generally get the value that they pay for and i think whatever mm -hmm. tier you're at you, you know it's it's right to sort of if you pay 700 dollars, you should get feel like you got 700 dollars worth of experience out of it but in the end i would much rather that they concentrate their efforts on the vast majority of people who are not in that whale cal category yeah and that is what they did um and maybe we don't need as tiered of it as an experience maybe flatter is just kind of better and just making yeah. the whole thing better for everybody you know if they if they can't offer these scaled uh, experiences, then they shouldn't have them. Uh, is the is the big thing, and I think it's like, I obviously, all of the positives that we listed make the event so much more so much better than if they had made like a great Black Lotus batch. Yeah, right. Like, like imagine the nailed. Black Lotus, which they did in Vegas, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. All the Black Lotus people were happy. You know yeah. why? Because it cost them zero dollars. Yeah. It was all gravy, right? <laughs> they all their they said, give us X amount of dollars and we'll give you that amount back plus some. Yeah. Oh, well, that seems like a great deal. But and yet the Vegas event was not, you know, universally beloved for how mm. it was run and organized because of all the other things and the fact that you know, vast majority of people are not Black Lotus VIP holders. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's um, wrap it up here with a question that mm -hmm. you wrote down, Rachel, which is what do you hope for for future Magic Cons? Yeah. I I think this is showing a very natural trajectory. I think we're getting events are only getting better. Um, and I, I think some of those smaller things can be fixed. Uh, I know one of one of my like biggest gripes with this event was half of the artists were not listed on the guests website. So I showed up prepared. I love having cards signed by artists. I was so ready to have I was like, all right, I have these 10 artists and I've got them in a binder and I'm here. And then you walked in and there was like 10 more artists. So and you're like, I, I would have brought all those cards. Yeah. <laughs> I would have brought all these cards. And it was it was very disappointing. So I think like the communication aspect is really what I hope improves the most where we can like, we learn what to expect from the event and how to get that information from them and make sure that like our expectations are met of the event because they've set them accurately and have updated the website and, you know, answered all the questions that you have. Yeah. I think for me, uh, you know, there was a pro tour going on. And it was very cool. It was an exciting pro tour. It was a return to sort of full coverage read, paper. Read, very congrats. Read. <laughs> uh, and the best way to watch it when we were at the event was on our phones. Yeah. It's just, I think there are a lot of people who are as excited as we are that sort of this is back and sort of yeah. in full force. And just having a setup where it's not intrusive to the pro tour actually taking place. You don't have to worry about audience interference or anything like that. But it feels like an exciting crowd event. You know, if you could capture, not to toot our own horn here, some of that Game Nights Live audience energy to cheer for the pro tour sort of there live in real time, I think that would be great. And it sort of, it bummed me out that they had put on the sort of main stage schedule. They had a big schedule in front of the thing, listed every panel that was gonna be there through the weekend. 
Uh, it had from 2.30 to, I think, 5.30 p.m. on the last day on Sunday uh, that there was going to be, like, Pro Tour on display on the main stage. And, you know, maybe I missed some fine print here. I thought it was going to be live as it was happening. And it was sort of started half an hour late, and it was just a replay of the finals that had already finished. I think just you you have such an opportunity here with the Pro Tour uh, that I think a lot of people are excited about. Just make it more of an exciting group event that people can rally and cheer for the way that they get to for so many other things at this event already. I was in the command zone at the time when Reed, when we're dur- during it. And one of the guys I was playing against had it on his phone and we had propped it up next to the table. And we're like, when you weren't playing, we were watching Reed. And it was like, so fun to be watching it with like these two young boys. And you're like, this is insane. This should be a thing. Like I would absolutely have been in the audience to watch those final moments. Yeah, I think to be fair, it is difficult to predict the length of time that the mm-hmm. top eight will take. Absolutely. And yeah. so my guess, and I don't know this for certain, but to give them the benefit of the doubt, is that, you know, they had planned for it to take X amount of time and it was a little faster than they probably thought and they got stuck, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I and mean, it's yeah. hard. And that that is a reason it is difficult to sort of schedule it on a main stage type of thing Mm -hmm. where it's like, well, what do we do? Do we hold the main stage and don't put anything there all day so we can put the pro tour on the screens there at the time that it's relevant? Or do we have some sort of flexible content that can sort of fit? I mean, that's Mm -hmm. hard to do, right? Like that amount of flexibility. So my guess is they sort of ran into an issue where that's concerned where, uh, well, we got to schedule other things and have things going on there. And, you know, then, well, we're doing something else at the time when the the big moment's happening because we thought it would be later in the day and now we're just kind of stuck. I think that's yeah. probably what happened. It, it, it's definitely tough. I, I think putting it on the main stage and scheduling around that is tough. And a middle ground could just be sort of, there was certainly enough room in some corner of that room to have a big screen that had it on that people could stand in front of mm. and watch and cheer at least, which they sort of had at Magic 30, actually, just yeah. because of the way that was laid out. Just some middle ground on that. Uh, mm. You know, it's, it's a reach to find something, honestly, that uh, would be an improvement going into the next one. I, I genuinely had a blast at this event, yeah. but that was that was sort of the one thing that I left feeling like was a bummer and just it seems like an easy fix, whether it's one way or the other. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought the event overall was awesome, and I think it bodes really well for, you know, magic events moving forward. I think they've finally sort of honing in on the thing we've been trying to sort of figure out for years and years and years, even up to Command Fests, which were a vast improvement over GPs mm-hmm. for the casual player, but still had issues. They, You know, there's been people saying for a long time, we should just make these conventions mm-hmm. and all that entails. And I think they've really, you know, this is the best magic event that I've ever been to. I want to echo what Rachel said, and I think what I would hope for future events is just clear communication and transparency of what the expectations are. So... Is there going to be as many free play tables at Minneapolis as there were in Philadelphia? That's something I need to know mm-hmm. when purchasing my badge because it tells me how important it is to get command zone access or not. And showing up there and having the confusion of like, I don't know what I should do because I don't have the information is not great on the consumer side. Mm-hmm. The Black Willows VIP falls in the same thing, but just everybody just knowing like what to expect, what's going to happen, you know, layouts and things like that, if they can make them available, I know that's tough. They don't always know it. But in general, just sort of, you know, it, even down to saying things like, hey, you're not going to get the Magic 30 product in your mm-hmm. thing. Like just be honest and upfront with the consumer about what it is to expect and what it is they're going to get so they can make an informed decision. And that just leads to no feel bads because I knew all the information and then I made a choice. But when I don't know all the information and I made a choice, that's when I get to 
that's when it feels bad because I'm like, oh, well, I thought this, but that wasn't true because you didn't tell me one way or the other and I had to guess. Yeah. That's what doesn't feel fair. So, yeah, I, I think hopefully they'll have the same amount of free play space and, you know, do the rest of this, take these lessons and continue them moving forward. And that's my expectation they would do so. And, of course, we have to give them forgiveness that there are logistical reasons in the real world that things don't always work out. I know for a fact Magic 30 in Vegas – they didn't want that venue. That was a small venue. Mm-hmm. They really wanted the convention center, Las Vegas Convention Center, a lot more space, and that's what they were hoping for. And so when they had to take their idea and cram it down into a much smaller space, a lot of these problems were caused by that. They don't mm-hmm. come out and say that to everybody out there. And those are things that are just miscalculations or, you know, there's still mistakes that got made to get you there, but it's not malicious mistakes. Right. You know, and so there could still be events in the future where things are messed up and it's usually not because anybody at Wizards is like, I'm trying to screw everybody over. It's usually <laughs> stuff that happens where like, we thought we were going to be in this venue. We thought it was this size. We were told X, Y, and Z and that's not how it played out and we had to pivot and make the best of a bad situation. So, um, yeah, I think Philly's great and I think, uh, I hope they just continue this because yep. it really was, it really was the most fun I've ever had at a Magic event. It, was it really so was fun. just the most open, felt the most free, felt like there was the most space. The Tons only stuff to do. The, the only other negative I was thinking about this whole time, and it's not something I, you know that's a real negative, was like it was so much space that I felt like I didn't see quite as many people because we're usually all jammed in mm-hmm. to such a small space that you see everybody. You're like, hey, hey, <laughs> hey, I see you. Hey, I can't, I can't, I can't come over there because there's too many people between here and there, you know? Yeah, but I see you. And this time I felt like I saw a few less people, but that's because we were spread, you know, we had room to breathe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Ton of fun. Uh, Hopefully, Minneapolis will be uh, just as exciting. Yeah, we didn't say in this episode, um, and probably we've announced it on (laughs) social media before (laughs) now. There's not a ton of urgency to do so, so maybe not. Write the tweet. Write the tweet. Yeah. But... Game Nights Live, we announced officially in Philly that we are going to be doing a Game Nights Live performance at every MagicCon this year. So we will be in Minneapolis, in Barcelona, and in Las Vegas later this year. We're calling it the Road to the Championship. Uh, So the four decks, the decks that won Vegas, Minneapolis, Barcelona, and Philadelphia will all meet in Vegas in September to determine who's the champion of champions, I guess. <laughs> the true champion. The, the true, true champion. The, the, the one, one champion, the complete perfect champion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, will be champion. <laughs> All right, to the listeners, did you attend uh, MagicCon Philadelphia? What did you think? What was your experience like? What was your favorite part besides Game Nights Live? Anything you wish uh, they'd implement for future MagicCons? We'd yeah. love to hear from you. want to hear about your time because it was a good time uh and if you want to pick up cards for future magic events for at your game store or in minneapolis go to cardkingdom.com slash command they have a huge inventory of all of the cards you want in all of the different styles in all of the oily or the 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 phyrexios stamped cards oh, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, like step and complete the foil. step and yeah. complete foil is that what they're called yeah yep. i don't know the names of anything sure anymore are. Yeah. you can get all <laughs> oh, of those I, I check prices too much not to know 
<laughs> he checks up on cardkingdom.com. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can get all of the cards that you want from All Will Be One in exactly the printing that you want that is appropriate for your deck. Plus, they'll arrive on your doorstep in one tidy package. And uh, safely, you won't be tracking a hundred different envelopes through the mail and hoping they all get to you not stuffed into your mailbox like they're always stuffed into mine. <laughs> they're professionals at packing it, yeah. too. And we're going to have rain here for about the next week in Los Angeles. And I know it's mm -hmm. kind of a rainy season in a lot of places. One great thing about Card Kingdom is that they package things really, really well. So you don't have to worry that like, oh, my gosh, the cards arrived in my mailbox. I wasn't there the minute they got there. And now it's all soggy and my cards are ruined. Yeah. Card Kingdom, professional packers. They know they're what they're great. doing. I yeah. mean, they they supply uh, the cards for the decks that we use at uh, GK Live. Yep. And so one of my parts of that is wrangling all the cards. And we have never had a problem with mm -hmm. sort of condition or anything like that. All the cards that we need for all the decks for the show show up together. They are just super reliable and super helpful in a pinch because we are not necessarily... Uh, Giving ourselves a ton of time on these things. <laughs> yeah, it's always right up to the last minute. <laughs> once again, cardkingdom.com slash command. And of course, once you get all that stuff, you want to protect it. You don't want anything to happen to it. Ultra Pro makes the game accessories that we all trust our own collections to here at the Command Zone. If you go to ultrapro.com slash command, you can order from them directly. There's a sweet Atraxa playmats here. This in is front of in fact, it's double-sided. Double That's Elishnorn on one side and Atraxa on the other. Check that, it out. Yep, that is an Ultra Pro playmat. They are even been making some apparel and things now there was an attraction hoodie that was very mm -hmm. popular in philly they have a bunch of stuff on their website at a very big discount oftentimes you can find really good sales and deals so again ultrapro.com slash command can't recommend it highly enough all right that's gonna wrap it up for this episode big thanks to our amazing team here at the command zone which is craig Monchette, damon lins arthur meadowcroft lady danger manson lung josh murphy jake boss jordan Pridgen, sam waldo grove galati mitch trafford evan Lindberger, gabriel pozos maggie dip eric lim and of course our good friend jimmy wong all right everybody thanks for watching <laughs> we'll see you next time bye For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs>